Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this week, we've got Adam Griffith from Victoria, Minnesota on the show. He's a full-time fishing guide. He's also part of the Crappie Chronicles crew. We've talked about them before. We've talked to a couple of them. This is the first time that we're having Adam Griffith on the show, uh, which is kind of a long time coming. We've heard his name a few times from some of our guests uh, especially the guys down there in that Twin Cities metro part of Minnesota. Uh, I, I definitely appreciate, you know, during ice season, especially talking to these guys about catching these panfish down in that part of the world because of, you know, just all the great learning and everything that comes out of there. It's high pressured, high pressured water, and uh, it's very nuancy. And there's just, you know, there's just a lot to learn about the finesse bites down there that can be taken and translated just about anywhere to get more bites. So wherever you're from. You know, if you're going to be capitalizing whatsoever on uh, on the late ice season this year, definitely are going to enjoy this show because Adam's a super fishy guy. And a lot of this, too, we're just kind of getting to know him on the air. We haven't had him on the show before, so uh, we're going to get him to share a little bit about himself and share some stories about the Crappie Chronicles this year. If you've been paying attention um, or not, head over to YouTube, uh, look up Bart's YouTube page and watch the Crappie Chronicles Season 3 just wrapping up. And, uh, you know, Adam, Adam's going to share some behind-the-scenes stories uh, from the Crappie Chronicles, as well as we're going to just get some real nuancy technical uh, talk from Adam about, you know, what his specialties are. And he definitely has some. And, you know, when we talk about these really tough fish um, that are kind of living in our blind spot as average anglers, uh, the bigger fish, especially crappies we're talking about here, the bigger crappies, Adam is just a has just really kind of rose to the top, whether it's fishing competitions, you know, derby fishing. Uh, in his past, we talk about that, uh, talk about his guiding career and just, you know, guiding on some of these bites where it's a tougher bite, some of these high-pressured waters, and still, you know, just still kind of making a career for himself, targeting and teaching people how to find and catch big fish. And uh, so anyways, it's a great conversation. The first of many, hopefully, for Adam Griffith and I on this show, because I think he's a really fishy guy. And uh, yeah, anyways, let's get into this interview. We've got Adam Griffith, Victoria, Minnesota. We're talking all things crappie fishing. Let's get into the interview. Introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit of uh, of your fishing uh, background. Yeah, my name's Adam Griffith. Um, I'm from Minnesota. Um, I grew up out in Wilmer, Minnesota, which is kind of a, a more rural town. Um, and I was always fishing out there. Like I had some buddies that that's pretty much all we did was fish, um, every day. And then my dad was also, he lived up here in the cities and my dad was a tournament fisherman, um, big into fishing, mostly bass. Um, so I kind of, I cut my teeth on catching, you know, the lakes we lived by had a lot of rough fish. Um, so I grew up catching a lot of carp, bullheads, just, just fit all kinds of fish, you know, and I, I just loved catching, catching fish. I don't really care what it is. Um, but then my dad, you know, I would come up here for the summers and it would be, um, for a couple months, it would be all bass fishing. You know, we'd be pre-fishing for tournaments. We'd just go bass fishing. And so I kind of had a double-edged sword there where I learned fishing you know, like for those like rough fish and just like, and then like fishing the tournament aspect of it, like how you pre-fish and how you dissect the lake and all that stuff. So, um, I kind of, 
you know, just grew with that. And then uh, I moved up to the cities when I was a freshman in high school uh, to permanently live with my dad. And then uh, it just kind of became bass fishing again, you know, like my dad wasn't really, he didn't step outside of the bounds. And I mean, we did some pan fishing, but very little. It was mostly 90% bass. And I kind of got tired of bass fishing. So I kind of got away from it for a couple of years. Um, learned how to catch panfish. Well, just basically anything. I'd go fishing for flatheads. I mean, just any fish that I could catch um, and learn how to catch them. I'd go do that. And then I kind of came back. I met some people that were big into the tournament, kind of the bass tournament angling, and they wanted to get into fishing Minnetonka. I grew up fishing on Minnetonka. So I kind of said, well, you want to partner up and let's go try the Denny's, which is the biggest circuit in Minnesota, you know, like basically every elite pro from Minnesota came from the Denny's at one point. And so we jumped into that and we did very well. Um, our first couple of tournaments, we actually took second in two tournaments in a row and people were like, who are these guys? You know, like these guys have been doing it forever, you know, and, um, we just kind of hop in there and start doing well. And, um, me and my partner, my partner kind of got out of it. And I met another guy that uh, was actually his buddy. And we started doing it again. We had good success. Um, and we did that for a couple of years. And now we kind of got away from it. He wants to fish a different series. And I don't really, like, I like to fish a couple tournaments. I've just kind of got away from it. I fished a lot of panfish tournaments. Um, I did that for like six or seven years. Fished the UPL, the Min Pan um the frankies the naaf naafc um i'm fortunate to fish a couple national championships um and i just kind of got i lost the interest in that like the drive to do it like i love it but it's just not something i really want to like now i've kind of got to the point where i like to teach people how to fish or help them become better fishermen and then uh just you know filming the crappie chronicles i don't have as much time to um, go ahead and do the tournament thing. I have enough time to guide, but to do add tournaments in there is just basically not possible to be, you know, to be, um, able to do well. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Like I've just kind of turned into just being, um, just a guide and then filming for the crappie chronicles, you know, going around and helping people understand that, um, where that there's these giant crappies that live around us and, you know, kind of help them how to catch them, you know, not necessarily giving them lakes, but, you know, we show them like backwaters and how to research it and then lakes and how to research it. And, you know, it just kind of came to that now. And it's just like, I don't know. I just like to get people into fishing and if I can help people, you know, I get a lot of first timers that I take them out and like, this is going to be either they're going to love it or they're going to hate it. And so it's like, I want to make them, you know, help them love it. And I get a lot of people that, you know, next thing you know, they're texting me pictures. Hey, we're doing this. Hey, look what we caught. We, you know, we found this, like we found that, you know, and it's really cool to see people just kind of their eyes open and just enjoy the sport that uh, I have always grown up doing. And so it's just kind of came to that now. Yeah, man. I, there's so much in there. We're, we're going to unpack some of those things, but I, I love it. You know, you, you really sharpened your skills, you know, with that competition and, and early on in life, early on in your career as an angler. 
and you know that obviously heavily influenced you the way you talk about it and um and I love that I promote that a lot you know uh, anybody that I talk to if you're young and you have the you know the stuff and the time and the ability to go do some derby fishing and stuff like that I think that is you know, uh, for all those learning curves that are out there, um, it just, it just really steepens that learning curve. And, and so, um, you know, whether that's something that you do forever or not, but like in your case, it just kind of helped you hone your skills and it helped you find what you truly do love and about angling, you know, we'll talk about it now, you know, you with the guiding and teaching people in the crappie chronicles, uh, you know, the filming, we've talked about that. I've had, uh, Bartusik on the show here this year. Last year I had uh, uh, Matt Waldron on. Uh, so you're you're uh, you're the third dude. You guys recently aired a series of shows where you were out on the East Coast, and I want you to talk about that and kind of give me a little behind the scenes update of the fishing out there. Well, um, yeah, Maine was a blast, but just like the whole research of it was cool. Like just like looking for like trying to figure out the areas of Maine where they're at because they're not everywhere. Um, cause they're relatively new. They've been there like 20 some years, like 22 years, I believe they've been recorded in the state. Um, and so just doing the research was pretty fun. Um, trying to find info about it was pretty tough. I mean, yeah, we heard whispers of crappies and you would see pictures of them, but then we kind of started, um, using different apps and going through stuff and trying to find where these fish were caught, what lakes, what areas. And then we kind of just figured out this, you know, uh, like a two hour, basically, we just kind of went in the center of that circle of where basically all the crappies that we could find were caught or are caught by what we've talked to people and whatnot. Um, we made a couple of contacts out there that are one guy's a YouTuber. The other guy's a guide out there. And we just kind of, you know, said, Hey, you know, these are where we plan on fishing. What do you think? you know, we're wasting our time just, you know, we're driving a long way. So we wanted yeah. to know that. Stuff. Oh yeah. And so they gave us information. They said, yeah, you guys are doing, you're in the right spot. We talked to the guide. We're like, Hey, we'd like to showcase you. Would you be interested? We'd come fish with you, you know, help you out at the same time as you helping us out. Yeah. And, uh, so we did that and, you know, we, me and Bart drove out there 28 hours straight and, um, we got out there and Bart had to edit a bunch of stuff. And I said, you know what, Bart, I'm going to take your truck and I'm just going to go. And I, we actually were staying on a lake Our Airbnb was right on a lake, which was really cool. Like we were talking to the locals and they're like, yeah, there's no crappies in there, but we're looking at, well, we're looking at like maps and stuff. And I'm like, well, this lake has them, that lake has them and they're connected by a river. I'm like, I guarantee they're in there, you know? And so go out there and out there when you go on a lake like unless it's one of the popular lakes in the area like there's nobody and you're fishing just these beautiful like postcard looking spots like you walk out there it's just islands and pine trees and you know you got the Appalachian Mountains in the background and it's just like am I really fishing here right now you know it's just like and you're the only one there that is so wild and you know I do that is one of the things that I took away from that first episode in that series was um, you went out on your own. You were on a scouting mission. And as a viewer, as a consumer of the Crappie Chronicles, you know, you guys are a team. There's so much teamwork involved. And that is actually enjoyable and very, there's a lot of learning that goes on, at least for me, um, 
you know, watching how you guys kind of work off of each other and feed off of each other um, and, you know, just how you break down water well together. Right. I, I think that's that in itself is is a lot of fun for me to watch um, because I learn a lot from it and just kind of how you communicate, how you operate. Right. It's like it's right. like SEAL Team Six out there, you know, looking for crappies. <laughs> and um, and that's and that's fun. It's enjoyable uh, to view. But you and I, but you know, and I think everybody can understand that you know people fish on their own. You guys probably fish on your own all the time, you know, here and there. But on on camera, the, this was not very often. Are you out? Are any of you out there completely by yourselves? Like that's not right. really what Crappie Chronicles is all about. But it was a really fun part of the story where, um, you know, again, like yeah, Bart was doing some some editing you know, definitely required if you want to put out some videos, you know, the other guys weren't there. And so it was kind of a, I kind of like got really interested when you were going out on your own. It could have been any of you guys, but you were going out on your own. And I thought to myself, gosh, I, I, I wish I knew more, or I wish I could talk to Griff about how that was going out on a wildly, you're like a thousand miles from the re- most, uh, uh, the closest other crappie that you had caught in your lifetime, right? Like you were on a yeah. completely unknown body of water with the most minimal of information known to man for an angler. You just had good stuff, you know, and, you, and you've got, you've got a resume, but like, I would really like to hear how that experience went for you and just how rewarding or how enjoyable it was. So, yeah. So I went on that. I went across, basically it was across the street. I drove over there, parked, you know, got all my ice safety stuff on my picks. I had my float suit. I had a spud bar because we didn't know the ice conditions. We were told there was five inches ice maybe on, on some of these lakes. So I was like, okay, now I got to, you know, I gotta be cautious, which you should do anyway. But, um, I went out there, I started checking ice and right away I could tell there was a lot more ice than people thought there was, you know, I found eight inches right away. I found 10 inches and like, okay, so, you know, this is good. I, you kept my spot bar with me, but, um, I just kind of looked at the map and was like, okay, one end of this lake is a hundred and some feet deep. It funnels down into this end. It's basically a a bay off of the lake, you know, just like it was separated by islands is basically what it was. And then it was like a small basin. I mean, it's a pretty good sized lake, but it's just one big basin with some little like shoreline points and, you know, no real offshore structures. So I just kind of said, well, they're either going to be in the basin or they're going to be on the edge. So I just was closest to the middle of the basin, you know, right. I started on the edge, worked out, seen fish immediately. And I was like, well, what are these? You know, walked over there, drilled a hole, dropped down perch. We caught like 30 perch in two minutes. You know, the thing is just out there. They don't, they've never seen baits before. So they just come flying in and eat it. Um, so I was like, okay, not what I want. It's working through the basin and kind of like, I'm looking at this school of fish and I ended up figuring out that they were white perch after we went and caught white perch. Like I never tried to catch them, but the cool thing was, is I was looking at them in live and I watched a pike or a pickerel come flying through them and eat one of them. And then it swam down on the bottom, like 15 feet from me and just sat there. And I'm like, well, I want to catch a pickerel. So I walked over there, drilled a hole on it, looked at the live. I was like, okay, I'm right on top of it. Put the vex in there, drop down thing, come flying up, hammered it, caught my first pickerel, which was really cool. I was like, all right, cool. I caught one. Don't need to catch another one. And, uh, you know, it was cool fish. Um, 
looked around out in the base and wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. Kept finding perch. I'd see single fish, but they they would just move away from me. And it's hard to chase singles by yourself. And so I started working shallow. I was looking at the water color. I'm like, there's got to be weeds in here. This water's clear. And I worked my way up to shore, and I see a little, like, point on the brake line, like just a little, maybe a 10-foot point that comes out and goes back in on the brake line. And I, I start working towards it, and as I get over there, I turn the live, and I can see there was beautiful weeds up there. And so I start drilling down the edge, using the live to, like, figure out where the edge is. Um, I get in a hole, and I turn the live down the weed line, and I look, and I can see fish coming at me. I pulled the live out, drop down have like three fish come in and I think a couple of them are bass. And then all of a sudden this fish just rockets past them and slams my jig. I mean, just boom. And I set the hook and I'm like, God, what is this thing? I thought it was a little pickerel because of the way it came in and hit it. I reel it up 13 inch crappie. And I just, I just freak out because I'm like, I'm on a lake that doesn't have them apparently. And I just yeah, caught one. Like how cool is that? You know? The JMO Podcast is sponsored by Long Haul Trucking. Long Haul's always looking for more skilled professional CDL drivers to join their team. They're a people-first company, and it shows. Their employee-owned, asset-based fleet of over 350 Conestogas is among industry leaders in pay and benefits geared towards long-term success and growth for company drivers and owner-operators. If you're a professional driver or a company that wants to ship product with the best in the business, get a hold of Long Haul at one 800 255 5153 or find them online at longhaultrucking.com. Long haul, running on the power of promises kept. I I can only imagine the reward cuz any angler that's just out there trying to test their metal on any lake any given day of the year, there's just all these little rewards and little badges of honor that we're trying to get for ourselves, you know, achieve for ourselves. It's like you want to catch a fish on a different lure. You want to, you know, learn a little something. You want to nuance some electronics. You want to you want to figure some little thing out. But you're like, you know, 20 states away from anything, any the last time you went fishing. You're targeting a, a species, um, you know, that's relatively new to the area. And so, you, you know, who knows if they're going to act the same. You know, I mean, you're literally in no man's land, just just like hoping to find a sign of life in the slightest. And you crush a 13-incher your first time out on a lake that supposedly doesn't even have them on there, man. That is just, that is so cool. That is so right. cool. Dang. Yeah, it was really sweet. And then I ended up hooking two more and I lost them both. But I was like, I don't need to catch them today. You know, it was just scouting mission. So then I ended up uh, leaving, going to another lake because I wanted to hit two lakes a day. Go to this other lake. Didn't know how the ice was. Get there and there's four-wheeler tracks going out there. And I talked to a guy. He said there's about nine inches out there. And make my way out. There's a pretty small lake. I walk out and just start drilling and dropped alive and i'm like oh look at those you know there's like a hundred feet of fish in front of me all on the bottom though walk over to them drop down 10 inch perch 10 inch perch 11 inch perch 12 inch perch as fast as i could get it down there and i'm like oh cool the boys will like that if we need to make a meat run i leave those fish walk to the other side of the lake and drop live down and like as far as i could see in every direction it's just 20 feet of fish and I walked, you know, I just dropped down whacking crappies anywhere from nine to 11 inches as fast as I can catch them. And 
Is is that what the other guys were fishing for? The the locals that were there, is that what they were fishing for? Or what were they doing? <laughs> they were fishing for crappies and, and perch. But the uh, thing is, is, I don't, I mean, they they fish for them, but they don't keep them out there, which is what I don't understand. You know, they, they just put out jack trap. I think they're more of like, we catch whatever. You know what I mean? Because they don't use, like, I never seen, I, the only person I seen with a jigging rod was the guy we fit, the guide we fished with. Everybody else is using jack traps, what they're called out there, just wooden tip-ups that they make out in Maine. And so everywhere you go, that's all you see. Like, you see a hub house and 20 jack traps in a circle around them, and that's it. And they just sit in there and wait, and they don't jig. And these fish are just sitting there, you know. I mean, there's fish everywhere. And then you get, like, I was on that first lake, and I had a guy, the second day I went back out there to recheck to see if those fish were there and whatnot. And I had a guy walk up to me and go, yeah, if you catch any any perch or anything or bat or uh, pickerel, he goes, we just throw them on the ice, you know? Jeez. And I just asked, I just asked him, I said, well, what's the point in that? You know, like, I don't, I'm just, I'm not trying to be, you know, like come off as a, a dick or something. Like, I'm just being like, Hey, what is, what is your guys' reasoning? And the guy goes, well, you know, they're invasive species. And he goes, you, you, you know, we got to get rid of them. And so I was like, well, he sets up his jack traps, whatever. He catches a perch and throws it on the ice. And then I was like, okay, so, and this is when we got into that conversation. I was like, so what's the, what's the point of that? And he's just like, oh, that's how we're going to get rid of them. And so I was like, you think by throwing, cause he caught one fish. Yeah. I said, you think by throwing one perch on the ice, letting the Eagles eat it, that that's going to get rid of them. And he goes, well, yeah. Oh man. I mean, and and what, I what are they trying to, to protect? Like what, what are they trying to like, like salmon and trout? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And so like, I, I mean, I get what they're doing, but like I took the guy over to the live and I'm like, Hey, just like you caught one. Right. And I pointed it at this school of probably 10,000 perch. And I'm like, but there's, I go, you got to remember there's all those. Yeah. And the guy's like, Oh my God, those are all <laughs> perch. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, you're ne- I'm like, no offense, but like the way you guys fish them, you're never going to get rid of them. Yeah. Like even I, I mean, you could do it for bring everybody in the state out here. You're not going to yeah, catch Yeah, yeah, you'd have to seen that thing out. I mean, you're going to have to blank it out and start over. I mean that 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 that's just not that's just not going to happen. Plus, a nice purchase is, is a is a nice commodity. You just got to bring some value to it, man. What the heck are you doing? Right. But no, that I mean, I love hearing your your stories and experiences out there. You're you're coming in contact with a totally different fishing culture out there, and. You know, you're bringing some of your own tactics and stuff into it and having success that way. But at the same time, you know, you see the locals kind of doing something that, that kind of, you know, might make you think a, a little bit more outside the box as to what you're doing. You know, I mean, I, it's just fun to go to those new places. And it's not the same thing as just fishing a lake in the, in the same county you grow up at fishing in. But it's just right. a lake you've never fished. That's a totally different conversation. We're talking about removing yourself from this sort of you know the the fishing culture the way it's structured here in the midwest and going somewhere else and you know you said something there too you know before we get off the the whole uh uh uh, main fishing trip topic you know you you were trying to fish a couple lakes a day so for you when you're out there in a place like that do you try to stay pretty objective when you say that first lake you got on you found some fish you kind of found a spot that that uh, you had success on 
Yep. How much of that did you take into the next lake? Were you looking for that spot again on the second lake, or did you kind of start at ground zero again and start just going down your checklist? Yeah, I kind of started at ground zero again because this lake was just, it didn't really have, like, it was really deep right up to shore. So, like, the break break line on shore was pretty, like, abrupt, and I'm like, oh, there's probably not going to be much for a weed, like, bite or anything because there's not, like, any flat for the weeds to really be on. And so I just kind of went out there. I was like, I'll cut across the middle of the basin. It's, I think it was like 15 in one area. And then it dropped into like a deep 27 foot basin. And I was like, I'll just work towards it. And that lake, I found them right away. It was pretty, that lake was just plump full of them. That's one thing I noticed out there. There was either a ton of them or there was just like a small population. It depend on the lake you were on. You go to one lake and they'd be everywhere and they'd be smaller. And then you would go to another lake and they would be less of them, but they would be bigger. That must have been a really, really fun trip, man. And anybody that wants to know anything more, you know, go go to Bart's YouTube page, watch the yeah. Crappie Chronicles, watch the whole series. It's all great stuff. Um, and uh, that was just a really fun. So I'm glad you were able to give us a little behind the scenes chat about that. That was I was super interested in that, and I definitely wanted to give you props for that solo mission because that just yeah, it was just like one of those deals where it was fun to watch you on a solo mission. You know, it's like I, I you know it would have been fun to be there. But that wouldn't have been the same for you. Like it was, it was, it was just fun—a little cool little opportunity for you to be by yourself in that right. part of and the it world. Was, and it was, it was cool to like go and talk because I stopped in these little markets too out there that are just out in the middle of the woods. Like you're just going down a road, and all of a sudden there's just a little, you know, two pump gas station little market. And I'd stop in there and talk to the locals and kind of, you know, feel them out and see what I, info I could get out of them too, which was pretty cool. And then. uh yeah, just going out and just trying to get on some of these lakes was like I spent four hours trying to get on one lake and I never ended up getting on it. But I knew from the people I talked to that that's where the biggest crappies were really? in that area. Was yeah. it was it just totally private or what was the deal? Yeah, it was. There was one way to that you used to be able to get into it, and I found it, but they ended up making that private. And so I never got in there. I see. I I drove around this lake and I looked at it like I could see the I could see the lake. And it was driving me nuts. Like, I was just like, I got to find a way to get on this lake because everyone I talked to, they're like, you want to catch an 18 to 20 inch or you go to that lake. Mm. They said, there's a lot of them in there and nobody fishes the lake except for a few guys, you know, you needed a helicopter. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was just, it was a fun time and we barely scratched the surface. So there's so much more out there. Like the ice conditions on the lakes we wanted to fish were pretty poor. So and they were huge. So, you know, you're going to want a machine for those because, I mean, they were, you know, miles long. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't really have a great segue, you know, uh, leaving that and getting into the next topic. I don't even really know what our next topic is. But having you on for the first time, I, uh, you know, I just want to continue to kind of learn learn about you a little bit because, you know, for people that don't know, um, you know, you pro staff at, at, uh, you know, at clam, you know, being with the crappie chronicles guys, you know, you and I have met, we, we've, we've been out on the ice together, uh, earlier this year, we were down on Minnetonka and, you know, different events, you know, I mean, that's, that's just, uh, you know, kind of how the industry is or whatever. And I've heard your name. You actually, your name's been spoken on this show a few times and you know where I've heard your name spoken 
happened the most, uh, you know, kind of revolves around the competitive fishing. You know, a lot of a lot of good anglers that have fished around you have always complimented, you know, your ability to catch fish, even when it's tough or even when nobody else is catching fish. I mean, that's a story that's been told a, a few times and uh, that you really have a knack for catching fish. And I don't really know how to segue into that, but I want to kind of get dig into your psyche a little bit and what kind of makes you special, you know, might kind of explain why you're on the Crappie Chronicles team and, and the success that you've had in tournament fishing and, and uh, the success you're having now as a guide, like, Talk to me a little bit about what you feel like your specialties are and the why people talk about you in that way. Um, I mean, it's cool to hear that, but I don't know. I just, I try to stay humble in it all and just learn. I mean, I just try to learn from everybody. Like, you know, you get a lot of these people that are out there and, you know, they think they're the best and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, but they don't listen to anybody else. They don't you know, they don't take everything. Like I try to take in everything and notice everything and, you know, try to figure out all the little small stuff that other people might overlook, whatnot. You know, I just kind of, I don't know. I just look at it in my own way and just kind of try to learn something every time you're out there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I've been fortunate to have some success and, you know, just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is when it comes to like catching the fish is a lot of it's bite detection. Like I would say that's probably number one is, is bite detection. Like anybody can throw a pinhead down there and anybody can throw a jig with a plastic on, you know, like confidence in yourself helps and the bait of what you're using, you know, like, and when you look at a fish, like the way I look at it is like, I'm going to catch you, not, will this fish bite? Like I kind of just am like, I'm going to catch you, you know? And I look at it that way and I don't know. I just, I just try to do my own, try to do my own thing and just, you know, I feel like you got a good balance in your, you know, as far as your mental approach that, that what I, what I'm not seeing necessarily in, in other anglers, even good anglers, I feel like you have a good balance in your own mind of like confidence coinciding with that that humble you know that learning that learning guy because i think a lot of people they they really try to they try to flex that confidence so much and they're paying too much attention to that that they're not paying attention to what they could be learning from the next guy over and then and then some right. people are some people are so timid so self-conscious that they they just try to mimic what other people are doing yeah. and they don't fish with their own confidence. And that, that can screw you up too. You got to have confidence. And I feel like you're balanced. You're one of those guys that really has a really strong balance sheet in the, in that regard. Do you feel like that is, is true? Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I try to learn something from everybody. Um, I'm confident in what I'm doing. Like the way I look at it is when you're fishing a tournament, if you don't think you're going to win, what are you fishing the tournament for? Like, that's just, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to go out there and fish tournaments, but you're, it's a tournament. Like you're trying to win, you know, like I look at it in myself. I'm not going to tell people I'm going to win. Like, but I tell myself, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm going to win or we're going to win. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is, if it's a team tournament or a singles tournament, it's I'm going to win or we're going to win, you know, like you have to go into it with that mentality. And don't let yourself get in your way. That's what I see with a lot of people is they get in their own head 
And they, like you said, they'll do what other people are doing. It's like, just do your thing, like set what you want to do and do it. Don't, don't don't weave off just because you see a guy doing this, do your thing. You know, maybe you have to adjust something to catch them, but it's still do your thing. You know what I mean? Like, don't, Oh, that guy's doing this. I need to do that. It's like, well, no, you just need to figure out what works for you, not what he's doing. You know, if you have any fishing memory that you would like to commemorate or have questions about commemorating a fishing memory with a replica made of any fish that has ever graced your net, get in touch with Rizavi Fish Replicas owned and operated by Jamie Rizavi over in uh, New Rockford, North Dakota at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can find them online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com or find them on Facebook at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can see the pictures here at the JMO headquarters in Devil's Lake. We have some phenomenal replicas made by Jamie and his crew hanging on our walls, which we absolutely love. They look absolutely perfect, just like the fish that were reeled in that day. And every chance we get to go in and admire them and tell those stories and share those stories with each other, we absolutely do. Again, if you want, or if you have any questions about getting a fish replica made to commemorate any great trophy memory you have of fishing, Get in touch with Jamie Rizvi at Rizvi Fish Replicas. You won't be disappointed. You know, we we reference. Uh, I think I think that that derby fishing or that, that those competitions is really where where certain guys learn it really well. It kind of forces you yeah. to learn how to be competitive. But at the same time, every angler that goes out is competing against the fish. You know, whether it, there's money on the line or not. So it's right. really a it's really a strong learning. Um, you know, tactic. I, I, anybody that I have on this show that's done any competition, I try to ask him about it for that exact thing. It's like, have your own program, you know, execute your own program, but always be self-aware and aware of your surroundings, what's going on when you're deciding where to drill holes or how many holes to drill. And, you know, talking about, um, yeah, you know, uh, cadences and lure selection and bite detection. I, I was having a conversation recently where I think people spend so much time paying attention to all kinds of things that, you know, bite detection and a good hook set is like 95% of what it takes to catch a fish. You know, I think people just over, you know, analyze and make it too, like there's too much going on. You just got to dumb it down. It's fishing. You know what I mean? Like when you normally go fishing, that's how you fish. So just go fishing, you know, like do what you do. Don't, get in your head, just be like, Hey, we're just going fishing. And we had a tournament on Clearwater, um, just a couple of years ago for the UPL. I was filling in for actually Waldron. So he was, I don't remember what he was doing, but I filled in for him. Um, but we were out there pre-fishing and what we did is like, we found these fish and we knew they were the right fish in this school. And we fished them for a long time and couldn't get them to bite. We could catch the smaller ones, but we were like, okay, we know there's fish that are over a pound in the school. Like we need to figure out how to catch them. And we spent a lot of time. We kind of finally figured out like a plastic and a jig that they would bite, you know, like the bigger ones. We caught like four, 14 inches in a row. And it was like, okay, that's, that's it. Let's leave. Let's get out of here. So we go back in the tournament and we didn't know how many people had found these fish. Well, we go back and like, I think we were in the third flight and I think the first two flights plus our flight were all on this spot. So we roll up there and there's, you know, 20 teams sitting there and, uh, we kind of make our way through the crowd, you know, and I'm like, Hey, this is where we want to be. This is kind of the area. 
we drill our holes and everybody's pretty cool in the, in these tournaments. Like if, if there's an opening, they'll let you come into it. And so I asked the guy next to me, I'm like, Hey, you mind if I just drill this area out? He's like, no, go ahead. You know, and I drop down and whatever I see fish and I got that bait and I'm like, okay, I'm very confident in this bait. Like I'm the only one who has it. Cause it was actually a prototype plastic that we had gotten at some ice show, like the guy was prototyping and he was just giving them away to have people try them, you know? And, uh, but I was just confident in the bait and what we had going. And my, uh, the guy I was fishing with, it had some issue with a, a buddy and he was just not really there. And I'm like, dude, just deal with whatever issue you got. I was like, I got this. Just let me, I'll go do my thing and see what we can do. You know, like, and I drop down there and as I'm dropping down there, this big mark like shows up on the graph, like two feet down. I reel it back up to the fish, set the hook. I'm like, Pike, fight it, fight it, fight it. 14. It actually was a 14 inch crappie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. I just slide it under my leg. I drop down and they just come in and I start catching them like one after another. And I'm using the schoolie. So everybody's got hearing the squeak because these things squeak when you reel with them. And it just, and I'm real, I'm just going one, I mean, fast as I could get it down there, I was catching and they were big ones, you know, like pounders. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Like, let's just keep this going, you know? And, um, the guy in front of me just looks up at me and he goes, I hate you. And he was joking, you know, but he was just like, he's just like, he's just like, dude, he's like, that squeak is driving me nuts. And I'm like, well, you're going to keep hearing it. I'm sorry. You know, I'm just like, like, I wasn't trying to be an ass, but I was just like, Hey, you know, like, sorry. Yeah. Is you, what it is, but, man. But you, had, you had a, you had a, a good thing going. You had the right amount of confidence, you know, even right. on tournament day when there's all these 20 teams, you know, that, that are on this area, there's tons of noise going on. It, it had to, that I think would have dented a lot of people's confidence, right? Like going in there, it's right. like, well, you and just found your I own say lane. You got to and... stay with your plan, right? You know, yeah. you have a plan, just stick to it. Like who cares what the other guys are doing? Yeah, they're all fishing there, but you know, we had already figured something out the day before pre-fishing and we we're kind of like, okay, we're going to run with it. And if it doesn't work, we'll change it up at the time. But do you feel like, do you feel like that, that jig presentation or, you know, or that plastic, was where your confidence was. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, like it's, Absolutely. it was really that specific. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, it was a jig color, like and the plastic that, I mean, it's just, when we were pre-fishing, as soon as that got dropped down there, it was four big ones in a row. And I was just like, okay, don't throw that thing down there anymore. Like, let's get out of here. We know what they want now. You know, we'll come back with that bait. And if they still want it, we're going to, we're going to do well, you know? Was that completely a match the hatch situation or was that kind of an outside the box sort of a uh, uh, presentation? You know, I don't know. I don't really know. It was just, I don't think they'd seen the profile before. Like it was a new plastic that, you know, it kind of had a different look to it. And I think maybe the bugs kind of look like that. They, you know what I mean? That were in the water. Yeah. Cause I mean, it was like an immediate, you know, and we went through like 30 different plastics you know, and colors of jigs and this and that. And all of a sudden drop that down. It's just whack, 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 whack. And it's like, okay, well, that's it. You know? And it's just like, we didn't like stay to figure out, you know, what they were 
what they were eating that were, you know, look like that or whatever, you know, but. Now you mentioned the schoolie. Now you, you run the schoolie. Um, and, and I do, I, this might be the topic we try to finish up with that kind of really showcasing you and and some of your specialties, but, um, you, you've designed a rod with Thorn Brothers. Talk to me about that. And why does that rod, uh, set up really speak to who you are as an angler and, and the bites that you're on? It's a 19 inch power noodle, but it's trimmed back. Um, it's got a one and a half inch, actually a two inch tripwire, uh, spring on it. And then it's got an extra eye for the schoolie, so you don't have to run through the plastic eye that's on the normal schoolie. You just cut it off. Um, But what this rod does is it allows you to be ultra finesse. I mean, you can power fish with it, but, like, when these fish get into these super, like, they want that cadence to be just precise and just very, you know, little subtle moves or just jigging the jig in a certain way, this rod allows you to do that because it's not a super long rod. And I think the longer rod you get, you start to lose those fine movements because now your rod's way out there. You got wind blowing it around, whatever, you know? And, um, and so this, this short rod with the schoolie on it, you first, you lose, you know, you don't get as much spin in your line because the real, the line's coming off straight, you know? Um, but with that shorter rod, you can just control everything so much better than you can with, I feel with any other rod, you know, like there's rods that have their place, you know, like a pinhead rod and whatever, but like for like jigging, like with a jig in plastic or a jig in, you know, meat or whatever. Um, I don't think you can beat a schoolie to be honest. And, um, there's a lot of guys that build rods that are for pinheads. You know, I actually have another one that I use for that, but, um, it's just an ultra finesse, um, deal. Like, I don't know. I just, it kind of suits me. That's how I like the fish. Like I like to catch the fish that doesn't want to bite. Like I want to force him to bite it. Like that's kind of what I love to do. And when it's tough, that's when I feel like this like technique and the way I fish can shine because it's like, I don't know. I just feel like it gives me the ability to bite, to detect these bites that other people aren't detecting as well as control my jig the way that, I can kind of get these fish to just be like, well, I haven't seen that before. I'm going to eat that thing. Yeah, it's a sniper yeah. rifle, right? I mean, it's a sniper kind of, yeah. rifle for crappies and bluegills on pressured water. Um, you know, you know, you're, we're talking in the metro, high pressured water, um, you know, or lots, lots of noise, lots of, lots of people. I mean, there's just so many examples where... You know, you just, all the fine details matter so much. And, and we're not talking about just getting any bite. I mean, you're you're specializing yourself, um, you know, at least with, you know, the, your tournament angling in the past and, and the Crappie Chronicles. I mean, you guys are trying to catch big fish, fish that have seen baits, fish that yep. have, uh, you know, either been caught before probably, um, you know, or, or whatever, right? Like, like y- y- it's a sniper rifle uh, of a rod and reel setup, as it were, for high pressured, big old bluegills and crappies. And, uh, that's just the, that's my take on it, you know, and, and yeah, you know, absolutely. out here in the Dakotas, 
you know, we, we swing, we're more along the lines of like, um, you know, big hammers and machetes, you know, that's kind of like, that would be the correlation to our setups, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, um, we're, we're more like hand to hand combat. We use a lot of braid, big braid. We just like the horse to fish up, you know, but we're also right. fishing less pressured fish. And, you know, that's the contrast that I want to make is, you know, where you grew up fishing, where you've cut your teeth and really made your, uh, career in fishing is in those, um, you know, high pressured situations, even with guiding, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you're guiding on, uh, on, on these types of bites. And, um, you know, I think that's kudos for you. Now we don't have time to dig in all that. We're going to have to do that next time. We're, we definitely, um, you know, we've gone over our time, but I just, I love the stories, Adam. I love the updates, love getting to know you here on this show. This will be, you know, the first of hopefully many for us. Um, yeah, because that appreciate we got you having me on. Yeah, ton, tons more stuff that we have to talk about with you for sure. Um, but I'm glad we were able to touch on some of those bigger topics that you're super involved in right now. And, and uh, you know, putting making your mark on, on that part of the industry down there where you're at. And, and uh, yeah, appreciate you having the time, man. If there's anything else, uh, promote yourself. We'll just kind of send it off that way. Um, put anything out there promote yourself anything you want to anything you want to throw out there and then uh, that'll be it man so yeah my website if anybody wants to come out to minnesota and uh do some panfish guide trips i do uh i offer half day full day i also offer a chronicles package where we go around and chase fish on a lot of the lakes that we actually filmed on so we offer that just to allow people to if they want to chase a fish of a lifetime i'll take you to a lake and we'll chase a fish of a lifetime um, you can find all that info at adamgriffithoutdoors.com. And yeah, that's about all I have. Really cool updates from you. Really good stories from you, Adam. And yeah, man, I'll let you go for real this time. I'll let you back to it. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good one. Yep. You too, man. We'll talk to you. Bye.